I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to this week's episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel, where I now post slightly longer video versions, usually. Parents, all scripture this week comes from the MTV, the Miss Tyler version, which is the Christian Standard Bible, tweaked a bit to make it easier for kids to understand the content and the context without having to read an entire chapter every week. We have a much longer section of scripture to read today because it is very repetitive. And that means that something is said over and over again. But why on earth isn't it enough to just say it once? Well, that's a terrific question, and the answer goes back to how people taught and learned things in the ancient world when almost no one could read. And those who could read were not very likely to have scrolls at home, and there were no books yet. But people would listen to the stories of the Bible, and most would never read anything. When something was very important, they would say it over and over again so it would stick in people's brains. Today we're going to read five verses and the word covenant, which is God's forever promises, will be repeated six times and the word circumcise is repeated five times. We aren't going to talk about circumcision today because we already talked about it back in episode 116 of Context for Kids, and episode 180 of Character and Context for the Grown-Ups. What's important this week is to learn about all the who's and when's and why's about why God told Abraham to do this as well as his descendants. So let's read Genesis 17 verses 9 through 14. God also said to Abraham, as for you, You and your descendants after you, generation after generation, need to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations... Every baby boy in your household needs to be circumcised when he is eight days old. Every baby boy born into your household or bought as a slave from foreigners. Whether the baby boy is born in your household or bought later as a slave, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be cut into your body as a permanent covenant. If any man or boy is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And wow, that's just a lot of repeating the same exact thing over and over again in different ways. Just because God wanted them to understand what was going on and also to make sure they did it. Not only that, but at the end of this chapter, in the last three verses, it'll get said all over again. Although we might think that God's half of the covenant 
his promises to Abraham to give him many descendants in the land of Canaan for their forever home is the most important thing in this chapter. When we read it to see what gets mentioned most, it's Abraham's responsibilities that get talked about. God made and established his covenant, which means he made it permanent and not just a promise. He told Abraham that he would do everything he'd been promising since Genesis 12. Because God knows that Abraham is ready to begin living in a new way and to trust God a lot more than he has been up to this point. But first, God has decided to make Abraham's entire household a holy and set-apart people so that the world will see how different he is from all the gods of the other nations. In the ancient world, the people who were circumcised were priests, but it didn't happen until they were much older. God is telling Abraham that all of the boys born into his household have to be circumcised when they're just eight days old. But what about everyone else? Well, they had to be circumcised right now, no matter how old they were. And it didn't matter if they were free or slaves. God saw them all as equals in his covenant with Abraham. They would all be circumcised, just like the priests of other gods in Egypt. But remember from a few weeks ago when we talked about the fact that the Canaanites didn't circumcise anyone? That made Abraham and his household very different. God calls circumcision a sign. Because it's a one-way thing. There are things in life that can be undone and things that can't. If I make a recipe and I put twice as much salt in it, it's going to be horrible unless I make twice as much and then it will be normal. Just add all the other ingredients again, but not the salt. So you can undo that sort of thing. But when skin is cut off or a finger or a toe or whatever, then it's gone and it will not grow back. God was telling Abraham, once you do this, you are committing yourself and all of your descendants to be my people forever, no matter what. You can't get away from me any more than you can grow that skin back after cutting it off. Jesus once told a story about the importance of being very sure about the commitments we make and the things we say we will do. He told a story about a person who wanted to build a tower and how important it was for that person to make sure they have enough materials to get the job done. Otherwise, everyone would laugh at them when they failed. He also told a story about a king who was at war with another king. But he was wise and counted his soldiers and his weapons before he went to the battle to find out whether he needed to surrender or if he could actually win. What God was telling Abraham was something really big to ask him to do, and Abraham would need to count the cost to himself and everyone in his household. Abraham could have said no and walked away. Abraham always had the ability to do that. But what God was asking him to do was like the last step. It was like at a wedding when the couple says, I do. 
They're married now, and they can't just change their mind without a whole lot of trouble. Once Abraham obeys and cuts all the men in his household, they will be the special property of God forever. They will be under his protection, but they will also have to obey him. Abraham must have decided it was a good deal because he's going to obey at the end of chapter 17, and so will everyone else who lives with him. Everything we do in life requires us to make decisions about what we will and will not be doing. No one has time to be the president and a restaurant chef at the same time. They are both full-time jobs. You have to decide to be one or the other, although you might be able to do both just at different times in your life. But God keeps teaching Abraham and Abraham's children that they can be either his people or they can worship other gods, but they can't do both. Circumcision will set aside the entire nation of Israel as belonging to God and him alone. They will keep his commandments. They will pray to him and only to him. They will be his unique people in all the earth, and they will have to act in ways that show the world how much wiser and more powerful God is than all the fake gods of the people around them. That's a big responsibility, and it means there are things they can't do. It doesn't mean that they won't ever sin. Abraham is still going to mess up a few more times in big ways before his story in the Bible ends. But committing to God and deciding to be his people means that we are promising to do better and better as he teaches and changes us to be more like him. That's what God is telling Abraham with all of the repetition of the words covenant and circumcision. But there's also another word, the word keep. The Hebrew word for keep is shamar, and it's one of those words that is hard to translate into English and other languages. If we shamar something, it means that we watch over it carefully and keep it safe and secure. We have to treat that thing with respect and not allow anything to happen to it. The first time we see this word in the Bible is in the garden where humans are commanded to shamar the garden. They have to guard it and protect it and keep it holy. But then that serpent got in and made a mess of everything. The next time we see that word is when God puts an angel at the tree of life with a huge flaming sword to guard it from the humans getting back in and eating some of the fruit. And then the worst time of all was when God asked Cain where his brother was and Cain got spicy with God and said, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, Cain used the word shamar. Cain hadn't protected his younger brother. Instead, he killed him in the field. The humans did the opposite of guarding the garden. They let a serpent in and then they rebelled against God because they wanted to be able to make their own decisions about what is good and what is bad. And Cain also did the opposite of guarding his brother and keeping him safe. God is telling Abraham that a big part of guarding their covenant was teaching people 
from the time they are babies to carefully think about God's covenant with them and to make sure that they teach their children about it as well. But God does something really interesting with this. It isn't just Abraham and Ishmael like they're somehow better than everyone else. Every single man in the household is included. No one is left out. Whether they're free or slaves, they are all equal in God's eyes, and they are all being trusted with keeping his covenant. Even if it seems terrible and crazy to you, they might have seen this as a very special honor because only certain people with special jobs in the world were circumcised. Now, you might ask why nothing happens to girls or women. Well, we don't have any parts of our bodies that can be cut off without doing terrible damage to us. Our whole bodies from head to toe are important and special, and we don't have any extra parts that can be gotten rid of. What Abraham was told to do would hurt like the Dickens, but he would heal up and be okay afterward. But we women, we need all our parts. Also, women who were priestesses in the ancient world weren't like men who were priests. Priests helped people communicate with gods in the ancient world, but religious things that involved women could be very wicked, and God respects women way too much to have it look like the women in Abraham's household were being forced to do terrible things. A lot of things that people did to worship our God in ancient times look almost exactly the same as the things the other nations were doing for their gods, but God had to make some changes so that he could show how different and wonderful he is. The women of his people were to be respected and they could be amazing leaders. Like... Miriam and Deborah and Huldah, but he didn't want the world thinking badly about what they might be doing if they served at the tabernacle and temple. Women weren't left out. They were being honored, respected, and protected. Not only that, but the work the priests would do later on was heavy, back-breaking work, which was better suited to men. Women were expected to be wives and mothers, and they often ran businesses out of their homes along with their husbands. In fact, you know, that's how the entire world worked until the Industrial Revolution, which wasn't that long ago, and people started working outside the home. Now, the weird thing this week is actually a big mystery. It's the Hebrew word karet, and no one knows for sure what it means. Well, that's not quite right. We know what the word means, but we aren't sure how exactly it worked. Let me explain. Verse 14 says, If any man or boy is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. You see where it says cut off? That's the Hebrew word karet. And no one seems to know what it means to be cut off from the people. There are a lot of theories. Some people wonder if they were supposed to get kicked out of the community. But how do you justify doing that to a kid just because his dad refused to obey God? Well, that doesn't seem quite right. Some think that maybe it meant that people who disobeyed would be shunned, which means that everyone would ignore them until they obeyed. In the ancient world, where people depended on each other, 
that would be a good motivation to start being obedient. Others wonder if God would kill them or make it so they couldn't have any babies. No one knows for sure. And there are different sorts of things in the Bible that, when you do them or don't do them, that's supposed to be the punishment. And no one knows what on earth it means, so it sounds like it was something that probably never ended up happening, or I guess we would know. I suppose that when God told this to Abraham, either he knew exactly what it meant or he didn't and just never found out because he made sure to do it. There are so many mysteries in the Bible, and that's okay. Personally, I think God was telling Abraham and the children of Israel who came after him that the people who didn't want to be part of God's people didn't have to be. If they decided not to follow God, they would just stop obeying and circumcising their sons, and they would just be the same as foreigners and strangers, and they wouldn't be part of God's great and amazing plan to save the world through Jesus the Messiah. As we go through the Bible, not everyone related to Abraham will be the people of God. I don't think that God was making them drop dead. That isn't what we see in the Bible. But we do see people turning their backs on God and getting into all sorts of trouble when they aren't under his protection anymore. Goodness sakes, out of the 12 tribes that made up the children of Israel, or 13 if we count the Levites, 10 of them abandoned God and disappeared forever. Do you understand how faith works? It's a big question. How God walks with us in bigger and better ways as we get to know him and trust him more and more? So many people are afraid of God because they're scared he will ask them to do something that they can't handle, but he never does. When we come to believe in God and decide to follow him, he never responds by immediately sending us into a far-off country to preach and teach and work miracles. Even the disciples of Jesus, who knew their Bibles, well, just the Hebrew parts, of course, because obviously the stuff about Jesus hadn't been written yet, right? Even his disciples were with Jesus for a few years, learning from him and learning to trust him before they were sent out into the world to do amazing things. Paul knew the Bible backward and forward before Jesus spoke to him on the road to Damascus. And so when he started to preach about Jesus, he figured out right away that he needed to get away for a few years, learn more about Jesus, and get ready. He was a Bible expert who was taught by one of the greatest Jewish sages who ever lived. And God still didn't force him into anything he wasn't ready to do. God waited 24 years before asking Abraham to take this very big step for himself and his household. God had proved himself over and over again by this time. God hadn't let Abraham down and even saved him when he messed things up really bad. Abraham's problem was Abraham, but God was working on Abraham's heart, which actually means his mind and his ways of thinking. Abraham came from Babylon, from a family of idol worshipers, but God was patient and spent 24 years getting Abraham ready for this next big step. Becoming circumcised would change Abraham's body forever, 
and it would remind Abraham that he was different and special, not because Abraham was the greatest man alive, but because God chose him to begin a new family in the world who lived in a new sort of way. It was a huge responsibility, and God wanted Abraham to succeed. Now, succeeding doesn't mean never failing or never getting things wrong. That's impossible for us, but it does mean we keep trying and learning to do better. That's all God has ever asked from us, to trust him and cooperate with him and become different people. He will change us. And all we have to do is cooperate, which can be super hard, I know. Sometimes he has to tweak what we think we know because we just aren't right about everything. God has been very patiently working to turn Abraham into the kind of person who would do anything God asks. God is going to ask Abraham to do something in about another 40 years that would be so incredibly difficult that I don't think I could ever do it. Fortunately, it was something God only told one person in all of history to do, and then he didn't let Abraham do it, thank goodness. God wants us to become the sorts of people who are willing to do whatever he asks us to do, no matter how difficult, but what he never does is ask us to do something that he hasn't gotten us ready to do first. God isn't going to ask you to go someplace until he knows you are ready to go there. He isn't going to tell you to do something without making sure you can do it. God isn't in any hurry. He wants you to do what he created you to do. He made you to do something that I can't do and no one else can either. I will never know all the people who you know. You and I don't have the same talents and skills. You can help people that I can't because I won't ever meet them and they don't know me or trust me, but they'll know and trust you. Abraham is just the first step in God's plan to save the world from sin and death. Abraham is the beginning, and so he doesn't have to worry about the whole plan depending on him. He was just a part of the plan to bring Jesus into the world. Jesus was always the plan. When God chose Abraham, it was because God had to create a certain family in a certain place in the land of Canaan. And Abraham had many sons before he died, but his son Isaac will be the next step. And then Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob's son, Joseph, will rescue his entire family from starvation by bringing them to Egypt. And when God brings them out of Egypt, he will take the miraculous family of Abraham and make them into a people whose only king is God himself. And he will teach them a new way of living as people with their own country, something Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never had. And so they will need new kinds of laws, first for living in the wilderness and worshiping at a tabernacle, which is something their ancestors never had, and then for living in the land of Canaan without a human king. And over the course of hundreds of years, many good and bad things happened, but God never gave up making the way for Jesus to be born because Jesus was always the plan. But even Jesus didn't have to be ready until he was 30 years old. 
If God was that determined to make sure his own son was ready for the work that Jesus had to do, and only Jesus can do, how much more do you think he will make sure you are ready for what he wants you to do? You don't need to be scared or worry about what God has in store for you because when he wants you to do it, you will be more than ready. He wants you to succeed. I love you. I'm praying for you. I want you to think about how much God loves his kingdom and how much he wants you to do good things to help build it up. God wants you to do a good job. So it is his job to get you ready. All you have to do is trust him and cooperate and become the type of person on the inside who can do whatever it is he wants on the outside.